Hello and welcome to the Mind Money Soul podcast. I am your host, Laura Ann Moore. I'm a money and mindset coach and financial well-being speaker, and my mission is to help you feel good about money and learn how to use money as a tool to live your best life and work towards financial freedom, whatever that means to you. Every week, I explore the emotional, practical, and spiritual sides of money. So if you're ready to get financially confident, grow your money, and achieve your big life goals, then you're in the right place. Change your mindset, grow your money, feed your soul. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mind, Money, Soul. And today's episode, I feel really excited about this one. It's called Seven Steps to Becoming Financially Independent. Say bye to financial stress. Now, the reason why this is important is because there are so many bits of information and thoughts out there around like financial independence and freedom. It's going to mean something different to everybody. And I want this to be a mini guide whereby I dive a little bit into each key topic around financial independence, what it actually means, how you can get there. And I want to provide like a mini roadmap to get you from where you are right now to where you want to be in the future. Now, the key thing is I am only going to touch on each point slightly because I want to fit this all within one episode. Um, But if you want me to go into detail on each one um, and you're like, oh my God, I'd love like a seven part series where you really go into detail on each one, drop me a message and let me know. Now, let's get into it. First of all, what is financial independence? So in my eyes, and there's loads of different opinions on this, but in my eyes, there are three main different stages, financial security, financial freedom, and then financial independence. They all mean something slightly different. So financial security is having enough income, enough money to cover your basic needs And basically to pay your bills, to be able to live, have a little bit of money in the bank. But the key thing is that you have some security. So maybe you've got a little emergency fund, you know, maybe you own your house, um, but you've got enough to cover your basic needs. You're, you're surviving, um, you know, and, and yeah, you're, you're not too worried that anything bad's going to happen. You're just living your life. You're going to work, you're having a nice time. Then you have financial freedom. And this is essentially living life on your own terms with money for basic needs for survival, like security, but also to do all the things that bring you joy, like traveling, hobbies, et cetera, et cetera. Now, freedom is going to look different to everybody. It's not necessarily a number. It's more of a lifestyle. So if financial security is just having the security of being able to pay your bills, freedom is your bills are covered and you also have all this extra surplus money to also enjoy life. Now, for some people, that would mean only working nine till 3 p.m. every day so they can pick their kids up and spend loads of time with their kids. For other people, it's only working three days a week and the other two days, you know, they're traveling around at the weekends and seeing the country and whatever. For other people, it's running their own business and having the freedom of their own time. It's going to look different for everybody, But the key thing is that you have the freedom over your time more so than you do with just financial security. And then finally, financial independence. This is when you have enough assets and passive income to cover your expenses and sustain your lifestyle without having to work a nine to five job. So basically, you no longer have to swap your time for money because your assets and your passive income is doing that for you and providing money for you. So you're completely independent of having to have a job. You are financially independent. You are not relying on anybody else. You're not relying on an employer, a director, a boss, a company, clients, work opportunities, because you have a source of income that you are providing for yourself. 
Now, for me, I had my first positive experience with money when I was like 19 because for those of you that don't know my story, I saved £15,000 when I was working at a marketing company when I was 19. And by the age of 22, I had 15 grand saved. And then very last minute, I decided to go traveling with two of my best friends around the world. And I realized that in that moment, I did not need to realize which one I could afford. It was purely based on which one I wanted. It was a magical experience. I had freedom of choice, freedom of option, and it really really highlighted to me how powerful of a tool money can be. And I wanted everybody to experience that. And that's why I built this platform. That's why I'm here today. Um, But yeah, that is basically what financial independence is. Okay. Now the starting point, the starting point is all about your relationship with money, your money mindset and your goals. Now, this is my favorite and most important part. Obviously, I'm a money mindset expert, so I care a lot about this element. (laughs) But you have to work on your relationship with money. You have to believe that money is for you, that you are worthy of wealth, that you are worthy of financial independence, and that it is possible for you. And you have to believe that money is simply a tool to help you get to where you need to be. It's not bad. It's not good. It doesn't make you evil or greedy, but it's something that you can use to live your best life, whatever that looks like for you. Now, if you don't believe that having and growing your money is possible for you, I'm telling you that mindset is going to hold you back. If you have a scarcity or a lack mindset, you believe that there's not enough money or opportunities to go around. You feel like money is constantly slipping through your hands. Maybe nobody in your family has ever had loads of money or been wealthy and therefore you're like, it's not possible for me. That mindset will hold you back and that is what you need to work on. You need to work on having the mindset of somebody who is financially independent, which believes money is an unlimited and abundant resource. It flows to me easily and it's something that I can create and generate for myself. Okay, number two is creating a spending plan. You heard me. Let me tell you, rich people still have budgets. Now, I don't like to call it a budget. I like to call it a spending plan. Um, But they still have budgets and spending plans. They know where their money is going, what it's doing, how much they have coming in, how much they can afford to spend. Yes, it's larger numbers. Like they go, oh, I've got £15,000 coming in this month. So therefore I can spend 10000 on this and invest 5000 Like, yes, the numbers are bigger, but they know what's going on. Now, I'll be honest, the last few months I've been a bit shit with my own budget because it's been summer, it's been my birthday, I've made all the excuses because I've just wanted to carry on spending and I've definitely overspent. That's a podcast for another day, but I definitely have. And I'm very well aware of how not having a spending plan has been quite not great for my own finances. Now I'm aware where I'm going wrong, I'm going to fix it, but I firsthand experienced how not having a spending plan or a plan for your money in general can, can be really not ideal for your finances. Because if you don't tell your money what to do, your money is going to decide what it wants to do. And that's probably not going to align with what you want it to do. You've got to be the boss. You've got to call the shots. You have to tell it where you want it to go. Having a plan for your money 100% is going to help you on your journey towards financial independence. And remember, that plan for your money doesn't have to be tight or restrictive. It can be whatever you want because it's your money. It's your plan. You don't have to answer to anybody. If you want to have part of your budget, you want to have £100 to clothes or food or taxis or paying a cleaner, that's absolutely fine. But as long as you allocate all of your money accordingly so that you're still living within your means and making sure that you're growing outside of that, which we will get onto it's okay because it's your budget. There's no right or wrong. There's no should or shouldn't. It's your choice. 
Okay, number three is saving. Now, one of my favorite ever finance tips is paying yourself first. I'm sure you would have heard me talk about it many, many, many a time. And essentially, it means that when you get paid, whether that's whether you get paid weekly, monthly, sporadically, you take a portion of that pay and you put it towards a pot of money into savings account or an ISA or whatever where you are paying your future self. Now, what happens if you say spend first and then save after is let me tell you that money will go. That money will disappear. We've all been there. You go, oh my God, how have I got no money left over at the end of the month? Because your brain wants to spend it all. Whereas if you have left to spend, it's going to be easier for your brain to go, oh, this is what I've got. As long as you're learning and putting all the tools and habits in place to stick to a budget, saving and paying yourself first is going to make your money grow so much quicker. And it's going to get you into the habit of saving, which is important when we come to investing, which we'll get onto in a few steps. Now, saving is an integral part of your financial plan. But the key thing is we really shouldn't hoard money. Hoarding money is not great when that money doesn't have a purpose. Now, a lot of the time people say to me like, oh, I'm like not saving at the moment because I don't really know what to save for. You're always going to need money for something. So I know that sounds contradictory because I just said don't save without a purpose. But that's still a purpose. You might say, oh, I'm saving because I think I'll maybe want to do something big next year. I know that I'm going to probably want to buy a house at some point. The the goal doesn't have to be um, super like stuck in place. But if you are literally hoarding money and you're not saving it, but you're not growing it, you're not doing anything with it, and it's just sat in a bank account accruing dust, that is not good either. Because if you are saving for saving's sake because you are too scared to spend it, go back to point one, work on your money mindset and your relationship with money, and then you can carry on with this point. But basically, money is like water. It has to flow. So it's really, really important to make sure that you are paying attention to the flow of your money. And if your money is just saying cash, you're losing money every month because of inflation. Now, if you want to learn more about that, I've got a whole other episode, uh, podcast episode, one of my investing ones, which I'll tag in the show notes. But make sure that your money has a purpose, that you're saving with a purpose, with a reason, you know, why you're using that money, whether that's for an emergency fund, a holiday, a car, safety, whatever that is. Give it a purpose, get saving. Number four is about debt and loans. Now, we've got good debt and you've got bad debt. Good debt is things like mortgage, business loan, student loan. Bad debt is things like consumer debt, credit cards, store cards, loans, etc. And I say bad debt because it becomes bad, I guess, when it becomes unmanageable. When you have overexerted yourself, you have spent too much and you cannot afford to pay it back and then you're getting interest and you're therefore paying for the privilege of having debt. That is what we classify as bad debt. Now, the good thing about good debt, business loans, student loan, mortgages, is they are it's helping you improve your skills, it, your employability, your entrepreneurial skills, perhaps your business. If you're investing in property, that might offer a really good ROI, return on investment in the future. And all of these things lean into either your own skills, your own education or your own future. But with bad debt or consumer debt, that's not really helping you, your financial progress or your life. Especially if you've just spent on things like clothes, shopping, food, etc. You can't get your money back for those things. They're not making a return on investment. You've just spent it and it's gone and now you've got debt for it. And that's what we want to try and avoid. So learning how to use credit and debt responsibly is important. Now, I've also got an episode called Three Ways to Clear Your Debt, which is a couple of weeks ago. And you can go and check that out if you do have debt and you want to know how to get out of it. But focusing on clearing high interest debt is very, very important. 
Now, it's okay, like I said, to carry some debt, but you want to feel like you're in control of it, it's manageable, and you're not being charged interest because that, my friend, is a waste of money. Now, what you will see is that very wealthy people, people that have financial independence or financial freedom, they will utilise capital, they will utilise debt and credit to get further in life, like I mentioned before, with a business loan. If you know, if you've got, if you're running a business and you get a business loan to front load the business and then it becomes really successful, they have leveraged that capital to get a head start in the business world. And then they use the sales and the revenue from the business to pay off the business loan. And then they're happy days, they're cracking on. That is one way in which wealthy people utilize credit. It's the same as a mortgage. You are borrowing money from the bank. They are helping you have a property. And then over time, you have more equity in that, that property. You sell the property, you make money on it, et cetera, et cetera. So there are ways as a wealthy person that you can leverage debt for the good. But before you do this, you really want to be in a good financial position and you want to understand the rules and the terms of borrowing money. Number five, investing. My favorite topic. Ah! Now, I learned how to invest a couple of years ago. I'm now an avid investor, if you will. Um, For those of you that don't really understand the concept or you're new to my podcast, essentially, when you invest, you are putting your money into something in the hope that you are going to make a return in the future. Or should I say, with the expectation that you're going to make a return in the future? Now, this is how you achieve financial independence. Now, for anybody who knows about the FIRE movement, it stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. These people will get multiple jobs, side hustles. They will make loads of money. They will invest like 70% of their income into like the stock market or property, for example. And they will um, use that capital to create uh, passive income. And they use those assets to generate money so that they can get to a point where they are no longer uh, relying on work. That's the financially independent part. But the biggest part of the FIRE movement is investing. The point is that you are putting your money into something that you want to grow and you expect to grow in the future. Gold, property, stocks and shares, funds, etc. That is the key point. Not only are you beating inflation and you're retaining the buying power of your money, you're also making it grow because of compound interest. But essentially, you work, so you swap your time for money. You then take that money, which is cash, and you turn it into an asset. An asset would be property, stocks, gold, for example. That asset retains value and also increases in value and provides an income for you further down the line. That is the point of investing. And investing is one of the biggest and most important parts of reaching financial independence. Now, if you forever have to work every single day and you're not putting any of that money away and you're just spending it and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you will have to work for the rest of your life. That is not financial independence at all. You might stay on the financial security level, which might be fine for you, but having the freedom to pick when you want to work and retire is so, so sweet. Number six is retirement planning. Now, it is never too early to think about retirement. And the key thing to think about retirement here is, did you know that you can pick when you retire? Now, there is a state pension age, which in the UK is 65. And it basically means the day, uh, the age in which you can draw down on your state pension. So that's 65 at the moment. It'll probably be more in 30 years time. But... First of all, state pension might not even be around in 30 years. Secondly, the state pension really is not a lot of money. 
it's not enough to live off of. So you always want to make sure that you've got something else to rely on. Now, if you're a nine to fiver, it's definitely worth checking out that you've been auto enrolled into your workplace pension and finding out how much you have in there. And just so you know, if you are, uh, if you have a pension, you're already an investor. So that's pretty cool. If you are self-employed or you're a contractor, you want to think about getting a, like a self-invested personal pension, also known as a SIP, which is basically, uh, your own like self-employed pension pot. Now, if you have your own pension pot, um, you if you have um, an actual pension, so a workplace pension or a SIP, you still have to wait until the retirement age to be able to draw down on that money. However, if you, as mentioned in the top the point before, if you invest in different ways, so property, stocks, shares, etc., you have access to that money more easier than you do with a pension. You can pick when you you draw down on that money. If you were to save up enough money in investments that you could start drawing down from it when you were 40, you could essentially retire at 40. So it's just about asking yourself like, when do I want to retire? Now for me, I don't mind working till I'm like 50 or 60 because right now in my 30s, I run a business that is helping people. I am passionate about it. I love it. I love all the different things that I do. If I carry on doing this time 60, that's fine. I I want to work to financial independence so that I have the choice, but it's not that deep. Whereas some people, if you're working a nine to five and you're like, fuck my life, if I have to do this for another 30 years, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Then you want to have a look at all your other options. But regardless whether you want to carry on working or not, looking at retirement planning is so important when you're younger because it makes it a lot easier to save and invest for the future. The longer you give yourself, the more time you give yourself, the less you have to put away on a monthly basis, basically. But if you wait until you're like 50, 60, 70 to start prepping for your retirement, it's not that it's too late. It's just that you've missed out on so much time that you nowhere near get as many benefits and it's not anywhere near as cost effective. Um, There's so many reasons why you want to invest from when you are younger and prepare for your retirement. And the last one is about achieving financial literacy. Now, one thing that all financially independent people have is they are all very financially literate, I believe, majority of them. They read books, they listen to podcasts, they chat with other um, financially independent people. Like all of these things, no, we didn't get taught about it in school. You might not have also been taught about it by your parents or your grandparents, but take accountability and go and learn for yourself. There is so much information out there that you can take on. There is so much that you can learn and it can be so empowering to take control and do it yourself. Part of it is practical, so like finding a budget that works for you, um, finding um, all different accounts that work for you, finding a way of working and managing your money. And then some of it is emotional and it's about making decisions for you and your life. No one else is. But regardless, financial education is a huge part of the picture when it comes to financial independence. Knowledge is power, especially when it's implemented. Now, that is my seven steps to becoming financially independent. I hope you found that enjoyable and useful. If you want me to dive deeper into any of those topics on a way more granular level, do come and let me know. Drop me an email, slide into my DMs and share this episode with anybody who you think will enjoy it. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week. 